Hey, this is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Don't forget revival. There, I noticed a few announcements uh, lying around, revival flyers and things. Let's put them all up, spread them out, and pass the word on. Amen. I read a sign just out of outside a house that said, "Beware of owner. Never mind the dog." <laughs> sign on the garbage truck said, "Satisfaction guaranteed. Double or double your garbage back." Oh well, <laughs> it gets better. Fellow said, my airplane flight, I don't know if this was Sean or who it was, but said, my airplane flight was so rough that the stewardess poured the food directly into the sick bags. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty rough, isn't it, Sean? <laughs> How many of you know what these are? Everybody knows about Smarties, don't they? Uh, I read about one pastor who, uh, he had, wasn't familiar with Smarties, but one day he, he saw one of his children bringing Smarties in. Well, Dustin came to church with a fresh roll of Smarties. And so the pastor just had to have one. He asked for one. And so Dustin peeled the paper back and handed him a, a Smartie with a smile. And from that time on, every service, every time Dustin came, Pastor would look him up and he would have a smarty for him. Sometimes Dustin would open a pack of smarties during the week and uh, he'd still save that first piece for Pastor. And uh, by the time Sunday came, why well, that smarty might be lengthy and, and a little bit furry and mangy, but Pastor would take it and say, no, I'll eat this later. <laughs> well, Dustin's mother, thought that that was a good ritual to go through. It was a kind of tithing for, I think, is there 10 in each one there in the, in the, he was tithing his smarties and taught Dustin to give a tenth to his pastor. And uh, pastor thought that was a wonderful thing for the boy to share with him that way. Well, not my first church, we had a, um, at Corey, uh, we had a, a baby there, a young boy, and uh, I always had a, these Smarties with me. I'd put one in my mouth and so I began to share Smarties with uh, Brad and Peggy's boy. And uh, the only problem was he couldn't put SM on the Smarties. Instead of SM, he put an F on the front of it. And I've been forbidden to say the word. But that's a true story about Smarties. Well, we're in Luke's gospel, and the theme of our the month is the harvest, leading up to revival. That's, that's why we're here. We're getting ready to go into revival, and we should get excited about revival. Um, 
And I asked how many of you were saved in revival. Not very many were outside of Jeannie and myself. But you got saved somewhere. Somebody spread the gospel. I told you about Jesus. And you received an invitation from Jesus. And that's what I want us to think about this morning is an invitation from Jesus. And Matthew, in Luke's gospel, chapter 5, received that invitation that we all have received. Now, if a little bit of background on that, in chapter 4, Jesus was driving out evil spirits. And in, in the first part of chapter 5, he, he started calling his disciples. And on the way to calling a few of the disciples, he performed some miracles. He healed a man of leprosy and he healed a paralytic. And now he's gotten to the gate, the tax gate or wherever Levi, Matthew stationed himself. And in verse 27 of Luke 5, we want to start our reading. So would you like to stand? I know you may be weary from standing earlier, but it's good to stand and praise the Lord and worship in them. Amen? After this, so after the healing of the leper and the paralytic, after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet and thanks. He was thankful for what Jesus had done for him. The Le Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why do you associate with them? And Jesus said, it's, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Our Father, we pray the blessing, a blessing upon your word and help us, Lord, to glean from this things that will help us to grow and become more like you and help us to be witnesses to what you've done for us. For you saved us to save somebody else. We pray this in the name of Jesus, that name that we sang about earlier. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A lot of Christians talk about a moment of invitation or decision a decisive response to Jesus uh, we think about Chuck Colson some of you may remember him who responded to Jesus in the aftermath of Watergate uh, Adolf Kurz the fourth responded to Jesus in the midst of a family crisis and Billy Graham responded to Jesus in a tent revival when he was a boy D.L. Moody responded to Jesus in the stockroom of the store where he worked as a shoe salesman. When he was confronted by his Sunday school teacher, you never know where Christ is going to issue that invitation and where you'll have to respond. But I ask myself the question and ask you this morning, is this the norm for us all? Is there a certain, certain point in time when each of us chooses to respond to Jesus in a decisive way, in a life-changing way. If it happened, 
And the invitation from Jesus is clear. It's unmistakable. Stories told about a man who had recently become a believer. And he encountered an old friend who had not yet made a commitment to Christ and who had a better knowledge of the Bible than he did. And the unbeliever began peppering him with questions. Where was Jesus born, he asked. He said, I don't know. Where did he grow up? <laughs> I don't have any idea. Do you know where Jesus turned the water into wine? And the poor fellow said, no, I have to confess. I'm so new to the faith. I, I don't know very much about the Bible. And I'm beginning to read it. But he said, this I know. God has been turning alcohol into clothing and food and furniture in our house because my life has been changed by Jesus. Amen. That's what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. A remarkable thing happened here in this Galilean town where Capernaum, where Levi was. A man named Levi was there collecting taxes. Uh, that was his business. In all probability, he collected taxes from the merchants, uh, the caravans that passed through his district. It was pretty lucrative, really, to be a tax collector. It wasn't a very popular job about like paying taxes today. But that was his job. And Jesus came along and appeared in the midst of uh, Levi's business activities. And he stood before Levi. Can you imagine? Can't you just see this? And he says, follow me. I mean, it doesn't say that he said anything else. Follow me. And Jesus and Levi followed him. Levi got up immediately and followed him. He left everything behind and he began to follow Jesus. Now, why in the world would anybody do that? Leave a lucrative job and follow Jesus. I just imagine Matthew had heard about Jesus or maybe even seen him around town. I don't know, but he knew about him. And he knew enough about him to be prepared for the invitation. Do you know some people are just waiting to be invited? They're just waiting. They're hungry to be invited. And we're, we overlook them. We tend to. That's why we have revival. That's why we're having revival. Because there are people out there who are hungry and who need the Lord. There are other people who've had experiences like Levi. I think about Paul on the road to Damascus and, and Luther on his knees. Uh, an invitation from Jesus is very clear and unmistakable. Matthew couldn't mistake it. Jesus said, let's go. Fundamentally, I think about the church, the fact that so many people in our church, in our churches, I should say, are Christians in name, but not really disciples. Uh, disciples of Jesus who's Lord of their lives. That's a big problem today in the church, I think. That consecrated discipleship, you know what I'm talking about? A life of learning how to live in the kingdom of God as Jesus did. And it, it seems to have become optional, except for the most radical Christians among us. Not only because it perpetuates the idea that Jesus can be your savior without being your Lord, but perhaps more importantly, because it assumes grace is given to accept us as we are, but has no bearing on what we become. In other words, he, he calls all of us. The cross was for all of us to get saved. 
and to become followers, but that's not the end. That's the beginning. He has more for us, amen. C.S. Lewis observed that the Christian does not think God will love us because we're good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. He said that's, a, that's simply another way to say that God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there, amen. He has a better life for us, a better thing for us. The love of God is a holy, God's a holy God. It's a holy love. So the kind of people we become matters to God. Holy love is full of grace and truth. Holy love dissipates cheap grace. Holy love becomes the condition and the means for discipleship. Holy love requires that we take up our cross and follow Jesus. Jesus said to Levi, follow me. Now let's look at a, an invitation from Jesus. When he invites us, an invitation from Jesus requires a response. Think about it. Did Levi have any real choice in the matter? Did he have to respond? Well, it seems to me at first that he did have a choice. But when I look at it more closely at the situation, I discover that he really had to, there was no question, he had to do something. Jesus said, follow me. Two choices, follow him or not. Or not. Don't follow him, reject him. And when Jesus came, he could have said, no, I'm making too much money. I'll see you later. Uh, the rich young ruler did that in a sense. He turned away from Jesus. And the Bible says he went away with a heavy heart. But if I say no, think about it now with me, I, I'm still responding. It's still a response. Or even when we say not now but later, that's a response. Well, it really is a rejection. Isn't it? Not now. No now. Uh, one young man said to Jesus, let me first go bury my father. In other words, wait till my father dies. He wasn't dead yet. And Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. We are responding one way or the other. There's no way to avoid response. And Levi, Matthew, shows us the best one. Follow, follow. An invitation from Jesus requires a response. I, I read about a directive that Jesus gave uh, he says in the scripture in um, I think it's Matthew, the latter part of Matthew we are to be his witnesses we are to be his witnesses first to the church but it's also a directive for each of us and he actually makes a promise that those who receive the Holy Spirit will be witnesses there was a small village in Scotland and uh, one of the town drunks was Sandy McTavish and the local preacher decided he was going to try to help Sandy and get him off alcohol and on the wagon. And so in a desperate effort to take care of the situation, he called a meeting of everyone in the town who had a problem with alcohol. And uh, he was pleased to see so many there and especially to see Sandy there. And so he was so inspired that he preached this eloquent sermon about alcoholism warning them of the dangers of alcohol to both the body and soul of the family. At the end of the message, he sent a piece of paper around, um, all around the group, and he asked everyone to sign it 
as a pledge to give up drinking. They were to sign it that they were going to give up drinking. And he noticed that everyone signed it, especially his, his delight. He saw Sandy McTavish sign it too. And after the service, he just couldn't wait to go home and tell his wife the good news. And so he came into the house and he unrolled that sheet of paper. And sure enough, there at the bottom were the words witnessed by Sandy McTavish. The drunk had not pledged to quit drinking, but he only witnessed that others had pledged to quit drinking. Now that's not the kind of witness that Jesus was talking about. He's talking about something else. Let me put it this way. Suppose you were in the bank where Amanda works. And uh, this week, and you're about to step up to the next available teller and two men in ski masks come in. And they're holding guns, loaded guns, and in the next few moments you witness a bank robbery. And after the thieves get away and the police come to investigate, they say, are there any witnesses? And being the honorable person you are, you say, yes, I saw the whole thing. I witnessed the robbery. Now that is a witness. Someone who can testify about what he or she has seen or experienced. That's what Jesus is talking about. If he saved you, can you tell somebody about should you tell somebody? Shouldn't you be excited enough to tell somebody? Amen. When something good happens, you need you call somebody. Don't you? I'll never forget the Sunday afternoon after we were saved. I couldn't wait to get home and uh, call some of my friends and tell them what happened. Something happened. Something happened in my life, and I had to witness. An invitation to Jesus has far-reaching significance. Levi's response made a difference in his life. He was a witness, and the first thing he did was have a party. I mean, he was so thankful for what Jesus did, he said, let's have a big party. He didn't say that in the Word, but it, it's there. It's implied. He invited all his friends. What a witness. And had Jesus come, I mean, that's like having a revival, isn't it? Amen. He left his business. He gave up a lot. What did he give up? Income. Security. Position. Oh yeah, he wasn't very popular in some circles, but he was, he had a high position financially. But what did he find? He found a lot more than he gave up, didn't he? First, he found a sense of purpose in life. What are you living or, or who are you living for? We have a purpose as Christians, don't we? Amen. He found meaning in life. There's a reason to live. Uh, we don't have to give up hope, do we? We have the hope of tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, Bill Gaither said. Uh, he found meaning in life. He, he found his destiny. Where are you headed? Amen. We're all headed for somewhere. Amen. I, I'm headed for that home in heaven, aren't you? Praise the Lord. Uh, he gave up what he gave up to find thrilling adventures. I mean, how was his life after that? It was quite thrilling to walk around with Jesus and to see the miracles. He found peace, sweet peace. Well, if Colson and Coors and Graham and Moody and we're here today, what do you suppose they would tell us? They would be witnesses, wouldn't they? Very likely they would tell us that accepting Jesus, his invitation was the best thing they ever did. The best thing they ever did. And that invitation from Jesus comes very clearly to 
each of us. For God so loved the world. Amen. For each of us. Uh, the invitation is clear. But the question is, have you yielded your life to him in a moment of response? And the wonderful thing is you can do it right now. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to wait till he's available. He's there. There's a song in our hymnals that we don't sing very often on page 37, but it was written, you don't have to turn there, I'll just share it with you, but it was written in 1880 by William Thompson, Will Thompson. And these are the words, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Second verse, why should I tarry when Jesus is pleading? Pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercies? Mercies for you and for me. In the third verse, time is now fleeting. The moments are passing. Passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering. Deathbeds are coming. Coming for you and for me. And then that fourth verse, oh, for the wonderful love he has promised. Promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. And then, of course, that memorable chorus, come home. <laughs> come home, ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. There's an old story that tells about a group of people, six people actually, who froze to death. And they were in a circle around what used to be a campfire. Each of them had a stick of wood in their hands. Uh, a woman in the group would not give up her stick because there was a person of a different race in the circle. She held onto her stick. The rich man held onto his stick because he did not want to warn someone else who was lazy and shipless. A penniless man was there holding on to his piece of wood, not wanting to surrender because there was a rich man in that group. Another refused to give up his wood because there was a person in the circle who was not of his religion. He was a Baptist instead of a Nazarene, or he was a Democrat instead of a Republican. He held on to his stick. The black man held on to his stick as a way of getting even with the white people for what they had done to his race. And so the fire slowly died out, leaving them in a circle with their sticks of wood in the cold. Each felt justified in their relief. And the story ends with these lines. Six walls held fast in death's still hand was proof they did not die from the cold without. They died from the cold within. Folks, we're having revival. And if the church dies, it'll be because we die from within. We'll hold on to our sticks, not willing to share in revival with those around us who are lost. That's why we have revival, amen? The invitation from Jesus is very clear and it's unmistakable. The invitation from Jesus requires that we do something. We respond. When Jesus says come, 
follow, we do that. And the invitation from Jesus was far-reaching in its significance and consequences. Come home, songwriter said. Come home with Jesus. Accept Jesus. It'll be the best response you ever made. And we have a choice. And guess what? We only have now. That's all we have. We don't have any other time. Now's it. You're, you may think I'm stuck with it. You know, It's precious. It's the present. <laughs> it's a present from God that we have time. In, amen. We have this day. Let's stand together. I'm just curious in my heart, in my mind, has God given you the invitation? I assume he has or you wouldn't be here. And the response is so important. You have to respond. You don't have a choice. I'm wondering without any coercion or any music or anything, with everyone's head bowed and eyes cold, if there'd be one that'd say, Pastor, I have heard, I've felt the invitation. I'd like to respond. One way or the other, you respond. The altar is open and the present is now. It's all we have. Would you like to respond? Anybody like that? I'd just like to pray before we go. It's a cloudy day and it's rainy, but it could be the greatest day of your life. Amen. Anybody want to respond to that? I feel Jesus' invitation is pulled by Holy Spirit's healing, and I want to pray. Even before revival starts, I want to be the revival. Altar's open. It's your move. It's your time to respond. Our Father, we thank you for the word. We're glad that you've given us the infallible, inerrant word of God. We can bank on it. We can trust. We can build on it. It's, it's so true. Father, we pray that you would speak to hearts today. Let us not just cast it off as, oh, I've heard that story before. Let us really be witnesses to what you've done for us. Go with us, Lord, from this place and even this afternoon if we feel the need to, we can make a decision to follow you. We ask you to have your wonderful, sweet way in each of our hearts. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.